Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tolman. Welcome back everyone to Talk Dizzy to Me. My name is Dr. Abby Ross. I'm a vestibular physical therapist and neuroclinical specialist. I'm joined by Dr. Danielle Tolman, also a vestibular physical therapist. And real quick before we get started today, before we get into the good stuff, we do not run any ads on here, nor do we sell anything. The only ask that we have is that you help us spread the word about everything related to the vestibular system that we talk about on this show so that we can help more people feel better faster. And the best way to do that is with your help by taking a moment to rate, review, share, talk dizzy to me, Spreading awareness can truly, 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 we've seen it happen time and time again, change someone's life. So thank you all again for tuning in today and for being part of our mission to make vestibular visible. On today's show, we actually have Caleb Alexander. He's here to talk to us about a very important topic that we get a lot of questions about a lot of frustrated people coming to us about, and that is navigating the healthcare system. So I'm so excited to have this talk with you, Kayla, because you have a lot of insight on this. I can tell from your own show, which we'll get into shortly, but thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the vestibular world yourself. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me because your, I mean, you could say your podcast pretty much redirected my journey (laughs) so uh yeah thank you guys for doing what you do and all the information i uh i didn't start my vestibular journey willingly i was obviously uh, symptomatic i'm still symptomatic of course like we all are and so yeah i just kind of was thrust into it and uh, i had to navigate my way around but i can give you just a brief synopsis of everything that's happened to me really quickly because it was a lot. So I'm, I don't want to be here for three hours, but um, if that if that's cool with you. I think that would be great, especially because I have to put a, a side note out there that by the time that you and I got together for a um, visit at my clinic, you came so prepared for your visit with this amazing <laughs> list that documented everything in like chronological order that's happened to you, who you've seen, what tests you've had done, what those findings were, what your research was on background of everything. And that was so helpful. I was so taken back by uh, a lot of this process, which we'll get into here in a little bit and why we asked you to come on today, because I feel like at this point, you are a pro at navigating the healthcare system as a vestibular patient. Um, but I think that our listeners do want to hear a little bit about what got you to this point. So why don't you give us a little bit of background at uh, about what kicked off this journey and what you experienced along the way, and then we'll have lots of things to dig into from there. Yeah, sure. Uh I was just trying to make your job easier by bringing you that long list of (laughs) my chronological timeline. Um, But yeah, I'll just kind of give everybody a brief synopsis. So, oh, let's see. Uh, In 2019, I think it was, I, my whole journey started off with hearing loss Um, and just a brief background. I am a music producer on the side. So that was something that was easy for me to notice. Not everybody notices that they have slight hearing loss um, because mine was mild. It was very mild, but I noticed it in one ear only. So, you know, I went to my primary care doctor and um, she said, you need to go see an ENT. So I went to the ENT and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. I also told them that I was experiencing some uh, like fullness in my ear and with some tinnitus or ringing. Uh, So because he couldn't find anything, but I was giving these symptoms to him, uh, he ordered an MRI. MRI was perfectly fine. He was trying to rule out acoustic neuroma. So thankfully, I didn't have a tumor. Um, it was just noise-induced hearing loss. So I left, and, and that was the end of that. Well, a year later, I had my first vertigo attack, and I had never had vertigo in my life, so I thought I was dying um, and went to the ER where I saw, you know, ER doctors, and they, of course, checked me for life-threatening things like stroke, um, but I was fine. My, They ordered a CT scan. It was fine. So they gave me an appointment with a neurologist to explore this further, and also a vestibular rehab therapist, or VRT, because um, I was still, I was decompensated, as I'm sure 
the listeners of your show knows. Uh, I was decompensated, so I was still a little dizzy. I had some residual stuff going on. So I left, went and saw the neurologist. He said I probably had Meniere's disease. So I was like, what is that? And why does it sound bad? Um, and he said that that's the only thing that he could come up with at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't at like a sure fire uh, diagnosis, but that's what he sent me home with. And so I went um, to the therapist and that actually helped a lot that the VRT cleared up my residual dizziness. And um, my first vestibular therapist referred me to a neurotologist and uh, got in to see him. He was known as, or is still known as kind of the dizzy guy in the Southeast. So went to see him. He said I had probable vestibular migraine after all was said and done, all the tests and stuff. So I altered my lifestyle again um, and, you know, tried to live with that diagnosis a little bit, but I never was really satisfied with any of these diagnoses that these doctors were giving me. So nothing happened after that for like a year. So I was, I went back to my ENT cause I was like, I don't think I have the things that these doctors are saying I have. So could it be TMJ? Could it be like something else? Could it be anything other than what they're telling me? Cause I'm not experiencing any symptoms um, except I still had my visual symptoms. So like screens would bother me. Um, that's never really gone away. So being too much screen time just kind of makes me feel the like sickly. So, um, went to my ENT. He basically said, I can no longer do anything for you. Um, but a colleague of mine might be able to help. So I went to my next ENT and they said that, uh, I probably had BPPV that self-resolved and also vestibular neuritis for the first intense one. And, um, so I said, okay, so I learned new things and, um, again, went through this process of a year with no symptoms. And then I had another attack of vertigo. So I should mention and clarify that every time I had an attack of vertigo, I would go back to the doctor because there's so much time in between that I thought it was either, it didn't really feel like anything was resurfacing. Um, so went back and they, everybody had a different answer. So eventually I went back but before I did this time, I did all kinds of research and tried to, you know, read up on as many things as possible. I uh, went back to him and he didn't really have a change in the diagnosis. And this was the ENT. And so then I started joining Facebook groups on dizziness. And one day I saw a post about this podcast and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll learn something new. So uh, I did. I learned a lot. I binged it all of your episodes, every single one of them. <laughs> so uh, then on the podcast, I found out that Danielle is only like, what, a three hour drive from me. So um, I went to see her because from your podcast, I already trusted that you knew what you were talking about. So I basically wanted you to help me confirm or deny all the information that I had up to that point. Then I found out that you knew my neurotologist as well. And all these connections started happening. So um, we finally settled on and confirmed a diagnosis of vestibular migraine, um, which I'm not going to say it's, it's good. It's a great thing, but it's good that we cleared it up because I think not knowing and not having a path to go down, um, you know, or just a treatment path was half of the anxiety and the stress. So that is where I'm at right now. So I'm currently... Uh, searching for a neurologist since it's in the migraine family um, and not the vestibular family. I mean, you know what I mean? It's kind of in both, but I need to see a neurologist. So um, I have an appointment with the guru, Dr. Bay, who has been on your podcast before. And I'm also in search of maybe uh, an eye doctor that specializes in the neuro side of things. So a, a neuro ophthalmologist, I think they're called these these words get really long when you get yeah. into the vestibular world. Uh, Big so, words. Yeah. So I guess in summary, um, this journey has taken me four years. I've had four diagnoses, Meniere's disease, vestibular migraine, BPPV, vestibular neuritis or labyrinthitis. Um, 
I've seen my primary care doctor, three ENTs, a uh, neurologist, a neurotologist, two vestibular therapists, and a couple of ER doctors. So uh, I've also had seven hearing tests, one MRI scan, and one TC CT scan. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, and that's apparently what it has taken for me to get to where I'm at, unfortunately. But I learned a lot along the way. I think that a lot of people listening can probably relate and they're probably tallying up their numbers in their head as well, because <laughs> you're absolutely right. It is you know, not uncommon for people to have so many different diagnoses from so many different types of doctors. And we kind of navigate the system, not really sure where to land or who to see or who knows what they're talking about. You know, one thing that really um, impressed me when you first reached out is you know, how you reached out and it wasn't to schedule an appointment. It was to interview me to see if, you know, this was going to be a good fit. Could we talk first in order to see if this was going to be worth um, your while to take the drive down and kind of sit down and really parse out what's going on to see if we can get an answer? Because a whole other aspect of this is the fact that a lot of people get frustrated that they don't have a diagnosis, that they've got this um, in their head that as long as they can get a, a, a name to put to how they're feeling or why they're feeling this way or what's causing all of this, you know, it feels a little less scary that we have this um, unknown thing that's causing wreaking havoc in our lives. So I was I was super duper impressed that you reached out and wanted to talk first before scheduling the appointment. And that was one great tip that I think that you can give a lot of people in terms of how to navigate the system, which you probably learned by year four, you know, going into all of this and getting frustrated. And I do want to also note that you put together this wonderful, wonderful, um, succinct and educational YouTube video that describes your whole journey, what you learned along the way, what each of your conditions um, were defined as, what the diagnostic criteria are. So I'm going to link that in the show notes because I think that it is a, a great way for people to kind of dive in to kind of learn more about what you've gone through as well if they're listening to this episode. So be to sure, uh, be sure to check that out. But you know, over those that this whole long journey, trying to figure this out in the beginning probably had to have been a, a really big hassle and not knowing where to start must have been um, pretty troubling. So what was it like out in the beginning, you know, trying to figure out or get some answers for, for how you're feeling, what was going on? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So I'll just quickly mention that video was, I made that video primarily for family so that I didn't have to continuously tell the entire story that I just shared with everybody over and over and over and over again. I can just send them a link and that's it. They can just watch it. <laughs> That's genius. I mean, to explain it to family members, to friends, to coworkers, whoever you need to explain it to, create a video, then you can just send the link. It's genius. Yeah, I actually sent it to my boss too, because I was like, I just want you to know what's going on. Um, and here's a link. It was so easy. It was so nice. I just, I put in all the work up front and I'm just like, here's a link. <laughs> so trying to figure out how to go through the healthcare system was a nightmare. It was either no one had an answer for me or the people that did have the doctors that did have an answer um, thought they had the answer, but they didn't have the answer. They had the wrong answer. So it was just an endless cycle of like second opinions and waiting. And uh, it just kind of seemed like it was going nowhere uh, until you pick up you pick up little pieces and nuggets along the way and you kind of use those as clues. You're basically a PI, a private investigator, like for yourself. So, um, and we were fortunate, it can get expensive. We were fortunate enough to have money saved up for medical expenses and emergencies specifically. Um, but I mean, I imagine that money is a common issue with vestibular patients because you have to go to so many doctors and, you know, not everybody has great insurance and it can just get crazy. Um, so yeah, it was, it was not fun. It was a nightmare, but trying to stay positive. We figured it out. We landed where we are now. I was actually going to comment on that. It's not just the anxiety and frustration and time consumption of going to these visits and feeling like maybe you weren't heard all the way or questioning whether or not you're on the right path. It's also the financial burden, which can then increase the stress and anxiety of it all as well, which can then further exacerbate symptoms. Just what a vicious cycle. And to have gone through it for four years, I mean, that is tremendous. But I, again, I know that it, it's so relatable for this patient population. I do want to mention that we know that you can have multiple vestibular diagnoses at one time. 
But certainly some of your vestibular diagnoses is just incredible to me to think about how you present one way and can get five different answers from five different people who are supposed to know kind of, sort of what's going on in the vestibular world. So it's just, I mean, it's just incredible that this is still a problem in this world and getting a, an appropriate diagnosis and then getting on the correct treatment path. I'm so thankful that you did find Danny because of that. When it comes to other challenges, so obviously the time and energy it took to find the appropriate care, the financial burden that it caused, the anxiety of it all, what other challenges can you touch on that? And while you touch on them, can you say how you overcame them for some of our fellow audience members who can relate? Yeah, so uh, anxiety for sure. Um, and that one has not been overcome. I mean, that's that's just a, an ongoing struggle. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of the things that people would normally use to cope with anxiety work the same with vestibular patients, you know, things like meditation or just making sure that you are hydrated make sure you get enough sleep and regular sleep, especially for migraine patients, you know, a regular sleep schedule, going to bed and getting up at the same time, which I'm not the best at. Um, I'm, re I'm actually really good at going to bed at the right time, but like getting up, mm, not so much, <laughs> especially on the weekends. But yeah, uh, you know, anxiety is, is ongoing. It's just kind of part of it. Um, I think it lessened, obviously, a lot when I got a diagnosis. So I, I think it's really important that you get a diagnosis and not give up until you get one, because um, that alone can relieve a lot of anxiety. Because as I'll mention later, there's very likely a treatment um, available for you. So it's not, you know, all hope is lost even though it feels like that when you're in the process. Um, another challenge I faced was disillusionment and distrust with the medical system. Um, after a while, you start to wonder whether the doctors actually know what they're talking about, um, which in my case, one of my ENTs did not. <laughs> the, at least the first ENT, you know, had the wherewithal to say, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like I, you've reached the end of my expertise and was honest about it. The other guy just told me something completely wrong. I was, if Danielle, if you remember when I told you what he said about BPPV, um, he's like, he probably just had, you know, BPPV and it, it resolved itself. When I told Danielle that, when I went down there for the first time, she looked at me and was like, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Or if it does, it's very, very rare. Um, and so, you know, that's just kind of confirmed my my disillusionment when I did talk to someone who did know what they were talking about. I was like, oh, so people with PhDs can be wrong. Okay. And practice while they're wrong. But, you know, I don't want to throw too much shade on doctors. It's not like they don't care. Um, it's just that they specialize um, in different areas. So everybody has their own, you know, if a doctor specializes in the ear but they specialize in ear surgeries and ha have no idea like how to help dizziness other than the uh the epley maneuver then you probably need to see somebody else because they're not going to be able to get to the bottom of it um I whereas you wanna, have doctors yeah go ahead. i was gonna say i definitely want to jump in on that just because you know that this is something that um I think is worth mentioning that, you know, when we talk about ENT, everyone thinks, oh, they work on ears, they're going to know about dizzy, but your ENTs out there, they're kind of like the generalists of that type of specialty. You can have ENTs that just focus on sinuses or just focus on vocal cords or just focus on, you know, um, you know, other middle ear or eustachian tube dysfunction. So it's not that uh, these doctors don't know what they're talking about because it is very important to get to the right physician in order to obtain additional testing if needed to uh, reach an accurate diagnosis. Um, so that's definitely very important to get to with those people. It's the difficulty of knowing who to go to that I think frustrates many people because you assume going to these physicians that they're going to know, but that's not always the case. You know, you can't go to your cardiologist to potentially talk about uh, uh, diabetes or, or um, endocrinology, th you know, uh, things at length. It's the same way with this. You have to get in with somebody who knows what they're talking about and sussing that out, especially as a new, uh, newly um, 
a new vestibular patient can be very difficult and not something that you're even aware of. And a lot of people haven't even heard of their vestibular system until something goes wrong with it. Um, so it is very important to get in with the physicians who know and specialize in what they're talking about to get those additional tests ordered and to reach those diagnoses and then to get passed on to somebody like a vestibular therapist when appropriate. So I just want to put that little tagline in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you just you nailed it. I didn't know what the vestibular system was. I didn't even, I may have heard of the word vestibular, uh, but that's about it. Um, if you really pushed me and offered me substantial sums of money, I might've been able to put it, you know, it's, oh, it has to do with balance, maybe. But yeah, no, I didn't know. And uh, the, also to your point, not knowing what to even look up um, not knowing these terms, these words, what doctors, like, I didn't know that there were different kinds of, I didn't know that there was a neurotologist. There's a subspecialty in the specialty. And so like, when you, when you don't have to deal with this stuff, you don't know those things. But then when you do get hit with something, all of a sudden you're in a, a catch 22 situation because you don't know what to even Google, um, to find answers or find who you need to go to. So you, you definitely spend a lot of time typing out a sentence on Google, not finding anything, trying to reword it, trying to explain your symptoms to Google. And Google's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but here's an article that may or may not be related. Uh, and it just goes on and on and on. And eventually you get to where you need to go. Um, and it's, there's, there's definitely an element of perseverance um, and not giving up when it comes to having, it's not just vestibular too. You know, this would apply to any health condition that is, very niche or requires a subspecialty of care um you're gonna have to do that regardless uh just so happens we're on a vestibular podcast so um and then another thing and this might be unique to you guys would know better than i um but it might be unique to vestibular migraine but my symptoms coming and going in random ways uh was also frustrating because not only is it hard to explain what's going on uh to the doctor but it's also not happening all the time i say it's a four-year journey and it was um but a lot of that time was me being asymptomatic except for the you know the weakness to screens or things like that um other than that totally normal because because i'm a, a more fortunately i'm a more high functioning i have a mild case of vestibular migraine and hopefully it will stay that way um but because of that I was normal for most of the time. So when things would pop up out of nowhere, it definitely didn't help um, the investigation into what was going on. That and the unpredictability of symptoms can further exacerbate that anxiety, which was one of your other challenges that we spoke about, just not knowing when symptoms might come on, when they'll go away, what's going to make it better, what's going to make it worse. It's all, all a puzzle that really does take time to figure out. I wanted to put a little caveat in here about the word vestibular because I was shipping out some orders to Australia of some vestibular apparatus jewelry and we do sell it. It's kind of funny at the beginning of the show, I said, we don't sell anything on here, but here I am talking about the jewelry now. Um, <laughs> but the jewelry is meant to help spread awareness about vestibular everything. And we were shipping some orders out to Australia and on the customs forms, you have to write what you're shipping. And so I put vestibular something somewhere on the customs form was the word vestibular. And the post office worker was looking at it and she's like, huh? Like, what are you shipping? <laughs> so it just goes to show and it created a great opportunity for me to have a conversation with this postal worker about what your vestibular system is. And she's in, as a matter of fact, by the end of the conversation, I'm sure the 10 people behind me weren't happy with us, but she was like, I get vertigo sometimes. So there's a person who had symptoms that may be attributed, attributed to her vestibular system and she had never heard of the word. So mm -hmm. very relatable. Mm -hmm. um, with yeah. that being said, so we went through some challenges. Yeah. What about your biggest takeaways in navigating the healthcare system? What words of wisdom would you have to offer to someone in your position the last four years? I would say probably the biggest thing is uh, you're going to have to be your own health advocate. Um, there, nobody's going to care about your condition more than you do. So 
you definitely have to do your own homework and just be, you're going to have to fight for yourself because um, doctors, doctors specifically, um, vestibular therapists are a little bit different, but doctors are really short on time. And that's not because they don't care about you. It's just because of the way the medical system works and also um, the way that they have to deal with insurance and how they get paid. <laughs> so just uh, a function of the machine, you know, you have to, kind of come prepared um, because they're just going to be staring at you watching the clock basically. Um, so knowing how to explain your symptoms, knowing what uh, is even going on, or in the case of, you know, you already having seen several doctors coming prepared with, uh, like I did for Danielle, a long list of everything that's happened up until that point so that you can quickly, uh, and also sending it to them um, prior, you know, some doctors will review it beforehand before they even see you to kind of capitalize on that time. I will say so, that from my experience of what you sent ahead of time and reviewing that, I felt so much more prepared going into that session, knowing what resources I could pick out things in your history that maybe you weren't aware that you were telling me, um, but I could pick out what you were telling me in there in terms of what you might be experiencing, what I might expect to see that day, what resources I wanted to have prepared. And if every single one of my vestibular patients um, showed up with that type of a list ahead of time and sent that ahead of time for me to review, my job would be a heck of a lot easier. My documentation would be a heck of a lot better. And I'd be able to get a lot more done in that first session because I just felt so much more prepared to sit down and go through each line item with you and kind of show you in your own words what's leading me to in that direction and then support it by what our evaluation showed. And then also, sometimes it's hard when you get in front of those physicians that you only have a succinct amount of time by having all of your thoughts um, you know, written out in front of you and having all those key points to hit, you're more likely to have that consistent story from person to person and getting your point across, which is huge, especially, especially if you're experiencing brain fog um, from symptoms of uh, being symptomatic and from your vestibular dysfunction. So I will say what you did was extremely helpful from the clinician point of view. And I commend you on that because it was a very extensive and very great organized list. I'm sure it took plenty of time, but it was extremely helpful on my end. So I, I applaud you for that. And thank you for making my job easier. Well, I appreciate it. And I thank you for taking the time. Uh, again, that's a kind of a luxury um, that you guys have is that time, but um, not always, you know, like sometimes, like, for example, I have my meeting, my appointment with Dr. Bay and he, because he's kind of built his practice separate from like he doesn't accept insurance or anything like that. He's kind of, kind of an outlier. Um, and so he schedules a full hour uh, for the first, because he understands what this, this world of vestibular dysfunction requires. You have to have that hour um, because he's never seen me before. So you got, I mean, what, 15 minutes of it's going to be like, okay, tell me who you are. Tell me about where you've been, you know, what, what's happened to you. Tell me about what's going on. So yeah, uh, definitely. And also thank you for, uh, allowing me to interview you because, um, I tried to interview other therapists and you like, if they're in the hospital system, forget about it. You're not getting through, you're going to get the front desk person there. <laughs> like, okay. You want to talk to the doctor? Sure. Okay. All right. I'll take your information <laughs> and then it won't go anywhere. So yeah, a small practice, uh, somebody who knows what they're talking about, who's close to, the scheduler, um, you know, not far away in terms of, uh, you know, the hierarchy in that business, definitely beneficial. So, um, but something else that I learned or would say is uh, we touched on it earlier, but doctors don't know everything. Um, and again, it's not because they don't care or, or because they're not smart. They've got plenty of school to back up what they do know. It's just, they, they specialize in their areas of interest. So um, it's really important to find that specialist and you know once you find these terms google them see if there's anybody in your area um i'm sure you'll list resources later in the episode description but uh veda is great because of the directory that it has on the veda website um you know you can look for physicians not everybody's on there but you know the people that i see are on there so and they're next to me um within you know a couple hours drive so these resources and things and finding the right person, that's going to shorten your journey instead of trial and erroring your way through the system. 
Um, doing your own research is really key. Um, I have challenged doctors by bringing them research. For example, the one that told me I had BPPV and he was very sure of himself. He, uh, I asked him, I was like, okay, so since I have BPPV, I found this meta-analysis in the scientific literature that talks about vitamin D supplementation and how it's showing that it can help. And this was like, this meta-analysis was done like just two to four years ago. So it's, you know, it's fairly new. And uh, he was like, oh, I've never heard of that. I was like, I was thinking, maybe you should. <laughs> so, you know, doing your own research, um, and I'm not saying everybody has to go dig into scientific literature. That's just because I'm partially OCD, I guess. Um, but doing enough information diving to figure out what's wrong with you and basically having a healthy defiance when you go up against doctors um, because it's going to feel that way at first it's going to feel antagonistic until you find the right doctor who knows who understands what you're talking about and you you have to defend yourself and say no i feel like this and sometimes it's hard to explain um, that's one of the other hard things you mentioned challenges earlier that's a hard having to explain different forms of dizziness um, is really difficult. Uh, and actually from your podcast, I think you had somebody else on your podcast um, that's kind of like a, I'll call him a vestibular influencer. Um, it's really cool that we can, that we're even at that point with this field. Um, and I saw a post on, cause I started following him. I started, I saw a post and had different ways of describing different vestibular disorders. And one of them was jello in the head. And I was like, that's it. That's it. That's what it feels like. Um, so I'm using that all the time now. So it's just sometimes you have to see it written by somebody else and you have to come across it. Unfortunately, that takes time. Um, but yeah, doing your own research and finding people who are like you, Facebook groups, I would caution Facebook groups though, because there's a lot of negativity. So just, you know, find what you need and get out, <laughs> I guess, um, and surround yourself by positive thinking. And then uh, one more thing, you know, the money thing. I understand that money is difficult for many people. It's easy for some, difficult for others. Uh, but it's you can't really place a price tag on your health and well-being. Um, you know, I, I would have taken out a loan in order to figure out what was wrong with me if, if I needed to, because it's that important. It's worth the investment to find the answers you need get the treatment you need and have peace of mind because otherwise you will probably be more symptomatic and worse off if you don't. Um, but once you get it, uh, oftentimes it can be, it can become a lot easier once you get to that point. So yeah, it's worth the investment. One thing I want to say about that is um, make sure you're doing your research when investing um, because there are a lot of companies and devices and things out there that are a little bit snake oilish um, and kind of mm -hmm. prey on our patient population who will do almost anything they can in order to feel better and to feel less symptomatic. So make sure you're doing your research that other people have found success with whatever they're using. If your physician um, has recommended it, especially if they have extensive uh, background in vestibular knowledge. Um, and I love your tip about um, avoiding those Facebook groups. We've talked about this on some of the other episodes too, about how it can be just this negative spiral of just ugh, terribleness. Um, and then surrounding yourself with the good things. We, like we love Christine Moore, the, uh, that dizzy girl and her jello in the brain uh, or jello in the head. You know, we, we, I love her content because it is relatable and uplift, uplifting something that you can kind of, um, not joke about because this isn't a laughing matter, but at least feel better knowing that you're not alone. So many people feel like they are alone in this journey and that they feel invisible. Um, and that's one thing that we want to try to get across to everybody that there is hope at the, uh, at the end of all of this, there is room for improvement. There are things out there that can help your symptoms and that um, just once you get with the right people and the right team, that's going to be possible. So um, what, if anything, would you recommend to somebody that they avoid doing in their journey? So lots of great things on things to kind of navigate the system, but what should they avoid? Hmm. Um, don't settle for mediocre doctors or doctors who are just in the wrong specialty for, for what you're going through. Uh, if you, I mean, I, I did that a couple of times, actually. I, I saw the doctor and they were like, oh, it looks like you have this. I'm like, okay, great, cool. 
Um, and then I was, like I said, was fine until something else happened. And then I went back and they were like, Oh, okay, well maybe you have this or go see this other specialist. And, um, so I did, and then they'll tell me what's wrong. And then I'll say, okay, all right. Um, and then you, the frustrating thing is you make all these lifestyle changes to fit a diagnosis you don't have. And then sometimes that can make you feel worse. For example, the neurologist told me I had Meniere's disease. So I go back to the previous ENT and the first thing they do for you for Meniere's disease is give you a diuretic. And um, I will let you guys explain why they do that. But essentially they give you a diuretic. Well, I tried that. I was on the diuretic because I was, I thought I had Meniere's disease and um, it made me feel horrible, it made me feel worse. And so, you know, when I finally got to the neurotologist and he said, you, you have probable vestibular migraine. Um, he was like, you can, you can stop the diuretic. You don't have Meniere's disease. Uh, and I, I felt better. I actually think I stopped it before I went to see him just because I was, I was fed up with, you know, the way it was making me feel. So that's just an example. You, you have to go through those things, but at the same time, if you aren't satisfied with your diagnosis or you just have doubts, then don't settle for that diagnosis or that doctor go see somebody else, get a second opinion. That's not against the rules you can get a second opinion. And also I would say that doctors who um, get frustrated or in a tizzy about you asking for a second opinion, probably not a doctor you want on your team anyway, because they don't, they don't understand that dynamic or that, that journey or you, you questioning things. Um, I would also avoid giving up because again, that's going to make your situation worse in the long run. If you don't actually find your answers or your diagnosis, uh, you need to find out what that is so you can get the proper treatment. So don't give up. Um, it's 2023. There's a very high likelihood of finding out what's wrong with you. Oh, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of different medical conditions. So we have the knowledge and the information and the treatments to find out what is wrong with you. So yeah, definitely don't give up. Um, I would say also don't have a panic attack when you're Googling, but also don't avoid Googling. Um, I know that it's a common prescription for doctors to say, stay off of Google, stop Googling, don't look up your, your symptoms, you're just going to find bad things. I'm, I'm going to push back on that because I found pretty much all the things I needed to find and pointed myself in the direction that I needed to go from Google. But the caveat is you definitely need to make sure you don't like panic when you see things like cancer or stroke. The likelihood of you having cancer is very low compared to you know something way more common, especially if you're young like me. So, just you know, use your best judgment when you Google things and when you go online and you're looking for things. And also try to be detailed with your searches. Um, you know, if you just type in dizziness, do you know how many medical conditions list dizziness as a symptom and medications? So that's not going to get you anywhere. You got to be really specific. Um, and you know, you'll eventually, you'll eventually put together the clues. Uh, and on that note, when you find information on Google, make sure that it's good information. This kind of goes to your point, Danielle, you made a minute ago, make sure the information you're getting is, is actually good information and not bad information or worse misleading information. So try to stick to the organizations like VEDA you know, once you find them, because if you're just now starting this, you probably won't find them very quickly. Um, but once you find them, definitely stick to those cross reference their information with other people or other sources to see if they're all saying the same thing. Um, be careful with people on YouTube. There's some really great therapists on YouTube. Uh, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tolman. They're great. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know who they are, but they're <laughs> awesome. So you can find great providers on YouTube and great information, but um, there are some snake oil salesmen out there too. So just be careful, uh, use your best judgment. You know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is trust your gut. Um, also money, don't place money over your health. Um, but also don't break the bank, you know, don't starve yourself with trying to find out what's wrong with you. If you need to take some time to save up for that next doctor visit, do so but also that's easy for me to say because i'm a high functioning patient if you are like can't get out of bed dizzy then 
yeah, you might need to lean on some some credit card debt or something to get you the care that you need because you can't get out of bed. That's no way to live life. So definitely go try to um, find the right solution for you, despite how much money you have in the bank, um, which I know can be really difficult. Uh, I'm not wealthy by any means, so I get it. But I mean, your health, you, you want to be able to get out of bed. That's important. It's more important than money. Um, and also don't take your symptoms lightly. So don't avoid, or I would say you asked me things that I would avoid doing. So I'll word it like this. Avoid, um, avoid being the person that is like, ah, it's just, I don't need to go to the doctor. It's just the, you know, I'm just dizzy. I just, I get vertigo every now and then. Don't explain away your symptoms. Put some validation right. behind how you feel. Don't explain away your symptoms. If things start to stack up and they're kind of making you go, hmm, there might be something there. Listen to your body. Don't discount them, which is very easy to do, especially if you're younger. Oh, I'm distressed. Or, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Or, oh, it's because I had too much to drink last night. Listen to your body. Yes, absolutely. So if something's off more than normal, then that means it's not normal. So go do something about it, you know, find a doctor and don't avoid the doctor. Um, you know, don't be afraid of going to the doctor. You need to get help from somebody because chances are if you're suffering it, plenty of other people have suffered it. Um, but of course, when you get to that doctor, don't take their word as gold. Uh, as for reasons that we've already talked about, just make sure that, uh, you know, you feel satisfied with what they're saying and also make sure their treatment is working. You know, if I, would have not seen any benefit to the first VRT or the first round of VRT I had after that first vertigo incident, um, then I, I would have questioned, is this, this isn't what's wrong with me or is this working or something else is wrong? This isn't, this isn't working basically. Um, so yeah, you know, just again, trust your gut. Don't take the word of doctors uh, as gold, but maybe take it as bronze because they know who you are and, or they know more than you do. <laughs> And last thing, um, don't encourage negative thinking that, and this goes for all areas of life, not just vestibular disorders. You are going to have so much more success with positive thinking and positive thoughts. If you just ruminate in your mind, like I'm dizzy, I'm going to die. Uh, if I get vertigo again, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm going to spin off into the void. Um, then you probably will spin off into the void because that's what you're thinking. That's what you're, you're putting in your, you're just ruminating on that and it's not going to help you. Um, in fact, I don't know if you got, I'm sure you guys are familiar, but, um, if listeners aren't familiar with the nocebo effect, everybody knows what the placebo effect is and you can actually stop medications and treatments from working just simply because you aren't faithful or you don't think that they're going to work so you constantly tell yourself this isn't going to work this isn't going to work your brain catches up and it's like okay well then we're not we're going to stop the biological and chemical processes from working because it it's not going to work so yeah don't encourage that um i would say you know it's not always going to be butterflies and rainbows either so i'm not saying be positive all the time i'm saying take a realistic middle middle road, middle of the road approach where you're like, okay, I feel dizzy. That sucks. Um, but what can I do about it? Maybe take a, like a problem solving approach to it. Is there anything I can do? What control do I have over my situation? Um, and then go from there, but definitely don't go into negative thinking. In fact, if you want to go all the way to the pendulum swing in the direction of positive thinking, be my guest, feel free, because that's probably going to help you out more than not, but definitely don't go in the negative direction because that's just, that's not going to work out well. Caleb, one thing I love most about this conversation and you in general is that you are living proof of facing those challenges, having the symptoms. And now here you are educating hundreds of people that will listen to this on who you are today and where you came from and how successful you've been in navigating the healthcare system finding the right providers, keeping a good mindset and not giving up on yourself or the healthcare system. So it's been such a pleasure hearing your story and thank you so much for sharing it. And also thank you for the little shout out to Danny and I, we appreciate that as well. <laughs> there, 
one other thing I wanted to touch on today, and that is when it comes to resources, you had mentioned Google and I'm not going to lie. I have been that provider. That's like, please don't Google this. Like just listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's so true when you're starting out and you're not sure who to see Google is your friend in the beginning. It's providing you a little bit of comfort and helping guide your way. I also wanted to mention there are so many free resources, this podcast being one of them. Um, can you name some other resources? Maybe they aren't all free, but can you name some other resources that you have found helpful in your journey? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I would say probably the, other than Google, the resource that really kind of put me in the right direction and to getting a diagnosis was this podcast. So, um, again, as 2023, uh, podcasts are just all the rage. So, you know, pick your, I almost said pick your poison. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Sounds bad. But uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like finding a podcast where people can talk and have this long form discussion on these different um, problems. And also big benefit to podcasts is um, having people like me on and other guests that you've had on who have experienced this firsthand. So it's very relatable because you can hear from other people. Um, the VEDA website for vestibular disorders specifically is, and you can link that for your listeners, um, but that is a gold mine of um, information. In fact, the video that I made that you guys are going to share with everybody, I pulled those definitions directly from their website. Uh, I didn't write those. So I'm just going to put that disclaimer out there. I'm not smart enough to write those. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was huge help for anybody that has dizziness or, or ear problems or even migraine um, issues, vestibular migraine. Speaking of which, specific to my condition, um, uh, Danielle has told me that the Bible I should read for my condition is Victory Over Vestibular Migraine by Dr. Shin Bei, who has also been on your podcast and who will soon become my doctor. Uh, that book is definitely the Bible. Um, I am on a hefty cocktail of vitamins now <laughs> because of that book. So, um, you know, and, and we'll see, you know, how, if that helps me or not. But that book lists everything, every treatment you can imagine, every symptom you can imagine. Um, but it also, it's not just for vestibular migraine. It's also because, all right, let me say it this way. Because it is about vestibular migraine, it compares it to all the other um, comorbid disorders you could have or disorders that it gets confused with. So he also goes into detail about all the other vestibular disorders, and it is extensive. So that book is a wealth of knowledge, um, but specifically for vestibular migraine patients. Um, also, test results. Um, you don't really think of test results as resources when you say the word resources, but they can be super helpful. So if you haven't had an MRI or if nobody's told you to go get one to rule out certain things, test results that rule out things is a huge help um, to doctors because that immediately eliminates things from the list um, of all the different conditions. Um, and hearing tests, I would say, are really, really important. Um, I don't want to say the most important because MRI can rule out things like a tumor. But uh, yeah, hearing test that can make or break certain diagnosis as well. Um, but again, just add it to your list of resources because I had a bunch of hearing tests and um, those are the things that kind of helped navigate away from Meniere's because I didn't have the type of hearing loss that's necessary for Meniere's or common, I should say. Um, so yeah, test results, super important. And then of course, vestibular therapists. Uh, you guys have so much knowledge. I would argue that you have more knowledge than many doctors just because you specialize in this area specifically. So you're constantly seeing all kinds of different vestibular patients. So you know, in some ways, you know a lot more than ENTs do. Um, because again, they, they tend to be surgeons. Um, and dizziness, a lot of times isn't something that surgery can fix unless you're at the very, very later stages of certain conditions um, as a last resort option. But yeah, so you guys know a lot. So if your listeners have not seen a vestibular therapist or been to VRT yet, I would highly recommend getting a referral um, to see one because it definitely 
will they, they may completely change everything that you have thought you had because <laughs> that's the main reason i went to see you danielle was to confirm okay do i have bppv or not um in fact you i just simply told you my story over the phone and you were like yeah it sounds like you have vestibular migraine and i was like okay okay why why couldn't i have just called you four years ago when this is going on um, that would have saved me a lot of time and money. <laughs> I will say though, to your point, um, I really like that you listed test results as a resource because if you look up a lot of the vestibular diagnoses and their criteria for diagnosis, a lot of them are a diagnosis by exclusion. So, you know, ruling out all other potential uh, um, issues or dysfunctions that could be creating the same symptoms is just as important for getting um, the correct diagnosis. So some people get very discouraged when their VNG test results come back as normal or their MRI comes back as normal. But we talk about that being a win a lot of times because now we know what's not there, what we can check off and rule out. So I love that you listed that as a, as a resource because that is also a huge resource to us as vestibular therapists. If you're an ENT or a neurologist or an otolaryngologist or a neurotologist out there listening, please send your um, test results for patients when you send referrals because seeing tracing on uh, VNGs or getting full complete audiograms have been extremely, extremely helpful for us, especially for those that have gone to these elevated courses for additional knowledge. They teach us how to look for things in those tests and what to look for to help better guide our practices. Um, even CDPs and SOTs, they all help. So I love that you listed them. I love that you came on today. I think that this was such a uh, wonderful conversation that was very comprehensive. And what you have to offer for advice to our audience is so hugely important. We are so grateful to you. So thank you so much. We'll be sure to list your video in the show notes, as well as some of um, your recommendations for great resources, as well as some of our recommendations for resources, and maybe even a couple of our favorite people to follow on Instagram if you need some positivity uh, to uh, light up your life a little bit with vestibular dysfunction. So Caleb, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. And we'll be talking to all of you here again soon. Have a good night. The information on this podcast is not intended to replace the care provided by your qualified health professional or to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Talk Dizzy to Me. Please contact us at Balancing Act Rehab if you think you could benefit from vestibular therapy.